this week we're talking about a lot of news in space, tons of momentum behind SpaceX, we've got an update on the HLS contract drama with NASA, and I've got some updates on our testing with our new SLA 3D player, and we're talking about failing forward and learning new things, so thanks for joining us. Hello and welcome to Today in Space. I am your space podcast host from the East Coast, Alex Giorfanos, and welcome. Welcome back to Today in Space. It has been a little bit longer since the last episode, which was a really great one. We had the CEO and founder of Deep Orbit, uh, Luca Rossettini, who came on. We talked about orbital debris and space debris and uh, something that's that seems to be really far in the future and that not a lot of people want to talk about it. But it's really, really important because as we get more and more into the space industry exploding as it is now, which we'll, we'll talk about in this podcast a lot more, it's super important to start talking about how do we manage all that stuff up there? How, how is the logistics infrastructure, which is, which is not a very uh, <laughs> clickbaity uh, term, logistics, but it's, it's the stuff that when you do it right, nobody cares about because you're making it work but if it's done wrong could potentially make it almost impossible for us to actually launch into space anyone launching into space it could destroy our satellite infrastructure that we already have up there and basically make a perpetual destruction machine cascading through orbits debris falling uncontrolled that's why it's super important. That's why it was so cool to talk to Luke on the last episode. So if you haven't already, go check it out. Go check out our last episode for People of Science. Uh, and it was also really cool just to hear his story of how he got into STEM and science and where he is today. And that's one of the cool things we, we, we do with the People of Science segment is really find out, like, where where did this start for you? Where did the passion begin that now, you know, you're, you're in your career or you spent all this time going through a, a STEM education program which is just a gauntlet just it's so it's so much and we've it's been really cool it was it was an idea it was like hey let's let's see if there's the there are these stem origin stories you know whenever you meet someone new in in the science field we kind of all have that story of where it began whether it's as a child or you found out something else uh, and that's been really, really cool. And I'm, I'm looking forward to doing more of those in the future. We have another episode of that coming out. Uh, it will be in, it might be next week. It might be the week after. But uh, as far as what's going on here, I am trying to take care of myself. <laughs> I'm trying uh, to not do what I usually do, which is focus so much on work and not so much on myself. And I mean, look at 31 with, uh, you know, a, a completely different diet than I had growing up because of uh, allergies I found out and the body not working as well anymore and scoliosis. It's like, OK, there's I can't be spending 14 hours a day like I used to on a computer in front of a screen. The wheels are going to come off. So I'm working on that. We're going to talk more about that on another episode here in the future and how I'm trying to flip that from being something that is limiting to o- opening up my mind to how do we how do we make this a problem we can solve and and do that same thing that makes me come on here and every week and talk about science and do 3D printing and and literally as an engineer spend every day solving problems um, how can I turn this from something that you could very easily feel like there's nothing you could do to well what can we do and, uh, 
yeah, that's that's where we're at today. So I I, I hope I hope you're doing well. I hope uh, you're you're also doing what you can to just just do something for you and and, and keep yourself moving and and healthy, right? Um, everything in this last 15, 16 months. I mean, uh, there's there's a lot to be said about being healthy. It just it's good for you. I mean, that's it seems redundant, but uh, as 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 a as a former addict and someone who 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 has a very um, uh, pinpoint focus, uh, ADHD, uh, like it, it's, it's, it's necessary to, to, to make it something fun and, and change it up. So anyways, anyways, I'm rambling here. It's been a minute folks. So I, again, uh, let's, let's dive into this. There's a lot to talk about as always. One of the things that I wanted to discuss was this just momentum that's, that's happening behind SpaceX. Obviously we, we talked about the HLS contract, the human landing system, uh, drama, that was before and actually we, we can jump to that because there's actually been some some progress with that first it was the senate bill made an adjustment uh with the u.s senate they were trying to make it so that uh it was a potential like could spacex actually lose the contract that they were already given and after a few weeks of not really knowing what was gonna what was gonna happen uh the senate bill was updated to say that the Con- the the HLS contract should be competitive, right? So there should be at least two, not just one like they chose for SpaceX. Um, and that they need to make that choice by uh, August. So so there's going to be, it, it still has to be finished because the protest filed by Blue Origin and Dynetics, the other two companies that were in this original HLS contract, um, are petitioning to still be uh chosen at least as this second choice which now for this new setup bill is making it so there has to be at least two so interesting there it, it also kind of like it, this is my opinion here but it kind of called the senate's bluff that you know there wasn't all this funding that was available but yet now we're actually going to make it competitive uh so and the other good thing is that it actually secures spacex for 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 as far as the SpaceX getting contract approval and getting funding for this, the the bill itself actually protects SpaceX a little bit. And I'll, I'll read this section here. Uh, the administrator shall not, in order to comply with the obligations referred to in paragraph one, modify, terminate, or rescind any selection decisions or awards made under the human landing system program that were announced prior to the date of enactment of this division. And so in there, it's saying that whatever SpaceX was already awarded cannot be changed or rescinded uh, with this next thing to have at least two contractors. So in some sense, SpaceX is protected uh, by, by having their funding. So a Starship will still be in the running to go to the moon and to help the first woman land on the moon with the Artemis program. But it also opens up so one of those other two companies, whether it's Blue Origin and the, the national team or Dynetics, have a chance of still being chosen. And I think that makes sense. For Again, we're, we're of the opinion here at Today in Space that uh, it should be it should be an all-in, like, let's, let's invest in all of these, like, and as many as you can, because as we've learned from the Space Shuttle program, once you lose it, it's very, very, very difficult to get it back up and running. And that's what NASA's been in for, for a decade now, is this kind of rolling momentum of, oh, well, we're going to go to, we're going to do the Constellation program. We're going to go to the moon to land ro- robotically. And then we didn't do that. And then we were going to do the asteroid recovery mission, and we didn't do that. 
And now with Artemis, we're, we're trying to set up, we as, as a very general term, but the space industry, the U.S. space industry and, and international partners are trying to now set up a way to have a moon station uh, to then be able to land a little safer and a little more reliably and have continuous missions to the moon to then set up the stage to go to Mars. So have human spaceflight develop and, and test all the things we would do at Mars because going to Mars is basically a one-way trip. And if you miss that window of coming back every two years when the planets are aligned just right to have the right amount of fuel to get back to Earth, if you miss that, it's another two years. So it, it's not just politics. It's not just uh, we don't want to do Mars. Mars is difficult. And it, it's very, very tough to, to fund a government program on the basis that they there's a high likelihood that that is their one-way trip that's that's all they're going to be able to do they, they, they will die on that mission uh so yeah that's dark but the reality of the situation why why mars hasn't been happening uh why this hasn't really been taken seriously in a long time it's because we just haven't had the infrastructure um some other things, you know, uh, we've we've got some some funding potentially coming up. The space program potentially being added under the infrastructure bill with President Biden, which would allow a lot more money and opens up NASA and what they're trying to do to a lot a, a much bigger pool. And interesting, interestingly enough, and I, I think this would be the case. And correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone out there who's politically savvy? Before we had NASA based under uh, military funding, right, uh, national defense, having it under an infrastructure bill kind of seems to separate NASA from um, uh, military conquest and, and all that stuff. So interesting, not that, not that the military won't be involved, but an interesting change of how things might happen. So uh, there's, there's, there's a lot to be looking out for here with, with space in general all these things happening um and even though people might there's a lot of people who either think that there's a lot of spacex hardcores that don't really have good reasoning behind their things and we're, we're fans of spacex here um and there there is a lot of momentum behind spacex i think there's a lot of hate being thrown at the fact that now spacex has to be competitive with this new hls contract i think that's dead wrong i think it's it's good that they should be competitive and even if they you know spacex has huge momentum that was one of the other things we wanted to talk about in this episode so there's a bunch of orbital news just on what they've done right so spacex had their first 10th flight of a falcon 9 so the first time that a falcon 9 flew and landed 10 times that magical 10 number that gwyn shotwell was talking about that they wanted to achieve that the falcon 9 theoretically could be launched and reflown uh, an infinite amount of times based on on, on Elon's proposals. But uh, Gwyn added a number that I thought was extremely achievable, especially compared to Infinity. I think <laughs> 10 flights, they finally achieved that number, and that's the first one to do that. Who knows how many more flights a Falcon 9 could actually achieve, but that number of, of 10 flights also adds into how they're able to make this financially viable, right? So uh, big congratulations to SpaceX for getting something. Again, reusability was not a thing for rockets. Expendable rockets, still, uh, in the majority of, of the space industry, 
is still the way that we do things. And it makes sense. Expendable rockets, you can use the fuel fully, which allows you to put more energy behind anything that you're tossing into orbit or into space. But it also means that every time you launch into space is extremely expensive. And yes, reusable rockets don't expend everything because they need to be able to land, so they got to keep some fuel. But what's the line, right? What's the line where you would rather pay less money to put something into space if it means you don't go as far? Like, there's a lot of room for that in the industry. Uh, and it's very fascinating to, to hear the reasoning behind why it doesn't work financially when, uh, I mean, I'll be honest, it, it I, I don't get that argument. So, um, regardless, moving forward, uh, Starlink's SN15, I don't think we've touched on this since the last time we, we had a solo podcast, but yeah, SN15 successfully launched, landed, looked beautiful. I mean, as soon as those engines kicked back in for the, the after the belly flop mover to get, belly flop maneuver to get into landing position, it was slow, it was controlled, I was at work, I was freaking out, people were looking at me like I was insane, but it was so awesome to see them do that. It, it felt like a Falcon 9 landing, just the, the amount of control they've been able to have is is amazing. And now they're setting up for the first orbital flight with the super heavy booster. And it's going to be launching from Texas and should be doing a soft landing in the ocean uh, near Hawaii. So that's going to be a fascinating to think, fascinating thing to see. We're, we're watching them build the infrastructure to now down in Boca Chica to get the super heavy booster uh, stacked with the Starship on top. That's a whole nother level that we're going to with with Starship and uh, wow I, I I mean with everything that's happening this year with the the country and the world opening back up um, the potential of going down to Texas to watch a launch like this uh, is getting more and more real and uh, thanks to folks like you who support us through everything that we do here sharing the podcast liking subscribing whether it's on YouTube you know getting us to that thousand follower. Uh, potential of thousand subscriber potential on YouTube, which will then make it possible for us to actually be able to watch, uh, to actually get paid on the podcast, uh, monetized. Uh, we're ha we're a quarter of the way there. We we passed two hundred and fifty subscribers on YouTube. So thank you, everyone. I can't talk today, but thank you, everyone, uh, for for subscribing. And if you haven't already, do it. Get us to a thousand. That helps us get to more places, travel places, go further, do more with the podcast. And of course, our AG 3D printing lab, uh, our 3D printing lab where we're literally creating things, bringing ideas into realities every day, whether it's a project you have, you know, if you're in school and you have a 3D printing lab and it's packed, or now, you know, you still don't have access to the lab as much as you'd like to, we can help you here with that, with, with uh, our 3D printing lab ag3d-printing.com go check that out go you know feel free to reach out we'll give you a free quote we'll do the best that we can to help you out and then of course our etsy page ag3dprinting.etsy.com that is our etsy shop we sell stuff that we've designed here ourselves whether it's our rocket ship phone stand uh or if you're into games we've got our harry potter hogwarts battle uh card stands which just add another depth to the game make it a little more fun have some extra accessories for your games, and of course, anything else that you're looking forward to. If you're a gamer, we've got our PS4 stands to help you get those. It's summer. It's, it's the summertime over here on this side of the planet, so uh, things are getting hotter. Your your Playstations are going to run hotter, and 
that means you're going to not be able to perform as well when you're playing. So we've got those stands, whether it's vertical or horizontal. Um, and then, of course, if there's anything else you'd like us to print, we will make it. So AG3D Printing, that's how you support the podcast. And there is a PayPal uh, donate button on our website, todayinspace.net, if that's how you want to do it. And we're looking for more things, too. More things to uh, to make our our dreams of, of going to watch these launches and bring more space to you guys that's that's how we do it um more momentum behind spacex they just got a another national defense funding increase so just just to talk about like behind the scenes like there's a lot of drama online about uh whether spacex is like actually like how are they funded how are they doing these their own things they're funding a lot of this stuff, especially Starship, right? Starship didn't end because the HLS contract is now in like a suspended state, right? They have things like Starlink and 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 their launch contracts that they do with the Falcon 9 that not only keep the company going, but also help them fund the next things. And they were just awarded, uh, this is a few weeks ago, but uh, they were awarded six, just over $16 million dollars uh as modified from the original contract uh to add mission unique launch services for the united space uh united states space force uh 67 mission under the national security space launch phase two so they're they're not only winning spacex is not only winning on the commercial side of things and also with nasa but also with the space force and uh just just to to tell you how it's difficult in a decade to explain how much the tides have changed where spacex is now becoming this juggernaut because they've gone out there they've the people like winshaw will have gone out there spoken to the people in the industry people who have been paying so much money trying to get a space economy going but the the financials just weren't right and all spacex needed to do was to prove their technology to prove that we can send your stuff into orbit cheaper and that's because we're able to reuse our rockets just like the air the aerospace industry with airliners and and planes you're not dumping the plane after every flight it's just pure economics and if you build your company around the fact that it's going to be reusable then you're going to see returns if you build a company around an expendable rocket and then try and make it reusable it it, the the math doesn't work but if you if at the beginning when you design the company that that is what you're going to do you have something to go towards, right? Um, but anyways, so SpaceX is not only winning in in all those areas; they're also winning on the national defense side of things. So Space Force has a ton of things that they need to launch. They have been talking; they've been doing a lot of between the Air Force and and the Space Force, uh, a lot of conversations. Whether it's between Elon or, or other people, uh, they have been talking. They've been doing things together for a while here. So it's cool to see this behind the scenes happen. Um, and it's not something we're really, really talking about. Um, and, and more on that, SpaceX is also doing, they're going to do another rideshare mission here. And they're going to be carrying a tiny space telescope, a Tyvek satellite, um, that's, that's going to add something brand new to what's going into orbit. Something, you know, uh, the miniaturization of space technology, automated space technology that can go up into orbit, uh, now has the ability to actually get tested. Something that, you know, in traditional space, even a decade ago, 
you couldn't even think about having a mission with a tiny space telescope or or expanding things differently and doing new things that are not flight proven because that's just not how the industry worked because it was so expensive it it was so expensive with expendable rockets it was literally preventing the industry from innovating and from developing new things because you were so restricted by the cost of flying into space uh so again going back to this momentum here spacex has it they're they're going forward with all this stuff um and more on that more on just what spacex is doing in general we talked about yusaku mayazawa who purchased a starship mission around the moon for the dear moon project inviting artists on a flight with him around the moon to return back to earth to get their creativity to experience what it's like to actually see the moon from orbit come back to see that 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 view that only hundreds of human beings have seen before in space and they really experience what it's like for us to be humanity on a rock traveling the universe um that mission is still uh going forward but uh, Yusaku Maezawa announced that he's going to be flying on a Soyuz capsule to the International Space Station before Dear Moon to prepare, get some experience, so that he can actually lead effectively as 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 the mission leader for the Dear Moon mission. And I thought that was great. I think that's uh, amazing to see these. It's one thing to pay for a mission to go into space and then just enjoy the trappings of going into space, but whether it's between Dear Moon or Inspiration 4, I'm seeing these these people paying for these missions also stepping up and trying to make sure they're doing the right thing by being prepared. And that, I think, is a rarity that we're very lucky to have nowadays. Um, and it, it adds to what's going on in the space industry. So I, I thought that was great. And I, I wish him luck. I'm looking forward to that. Um, and it's, it's going to be cool to see the Soyuz have a, a really, a really cool mission here uh, in in the next year, I believe. So, really cool stuff. And to close out this week, I just want to talk a little bit about like what I'm doing in the AG 3D Printing Lab. We got a new printer. We talked about it. That was it two episodes ago. Uh, thanks to our friend Andrew Sink. It's an SLA LCD 3D printer. So, if you've uh, seen our Instagram page at AG 3D Printing or even our Today in Space podcast uh, at Today in Space Pod on Instagram, uh, we've been sharing uh, our learning experience. If that's <laughs> if that's the word we're going to use for it, um, every time you pick up a new three D printer, anyone that's new to this, it is it is a learning curve. It's it's a piece of machinery. It's it's essentially a robot, and there's a lot of nuances you've got to learn. It's a great thing for someone who's starting out or really wants to learn electronics and plastics and manufacturing it's like it's something that can really give you a ton of great experience especially if you want to go down that right a route of being a tinkerer or a maker or joining uh, an industry like the 3d printing industry which there are plenty of jobs as i can tell you someone working in it there's a lot of potential especially someone who does that who who buys a printer and learns it right um so that's how i started i bought a printer when i was a uh, young engineer, and I had some extra money. I, I, my my loans still hadn't kicked in. I was still in college working a full time job. So I figured, you know what? Uh, silly enough, I was like, instead of paying interest so that my loans go down, I was like, let me put some money into a three D printer. 
Um, and although uh, at that time it may have seemed like a silly thing to do, that one investment of buying my first 3D printer, which was, I believe it was $1,500, that $1,500 has changed uh, the trajectory of my career, of my life, of, of just me enjoying being an engineer, of enjoying being a problem solver, enjoying bringing ideas into reality. And the one that I started with was an FDM print, 3D printer, fused deposition modeling is what that stands for, or the, the, the general term, because FDM is actually a trademark term uh, from what I understand, it's FFF, fused filament fabrication. And basically it's a, a piece of filament, uh, like a, uh, what's, the, what's the way to describe it? Someone's never seen it before. Um, it, it's like a string of, of rigid plastic for the most part, uh, and it's spun on a roll of plastic, and you put that into a hot end, which is a, a little aluminum block with a heater in it and a nozzle, and that squirts it just like you would have like a uh, cake frosting, right? Uh, with with one of those nozzles, and you're you're squirting frosting to make shapes and to cover things. You're doing that in a controlled space with a 3D printer, and while that may seem complicated, it's actually one of the easiest 3D printing processes that are out there. Um, there it's not a lot of cost to get into it. Um, you don't have any extra processes really afterwards. You can sand it and you can paint it, but really, once you print it, it's done. Um, so for anyone starting out, it's one of the safest and cheapest ways to get into 3D printing. One of the older 3D printing technologies is SLA 3D printing, which started off as lasers, that would have a vat of resin and a flat bed would come down from the top. We're probably gonna have a video here of, of me working with it right now. Goes into the vat and then the laser would etch and cure the material, harden that, that liquid resin into a shape, whatever shape that you're doing it layer by layer. And then it would lift, go back into the, the vat and do the next one. And it would do that constantly and go up. And then you would have this part hanging upside down on that bed plate that you could then use and have and you cure it with uv light and that's your end thing and so luckily years into developing with 3d printing some some decades later now there's it's simpler where now you just have an lcd screen just like you do on your phone that shows a shape that lets the uv light that's from below shine through that shape cure into that shape and then lift it up so you don't need the expense of a, a laser and running that and all the things that come with that um, and you can still achieve 3d models in that same typical way and so that is brand new to me and it's been interesting because I have to relearn everything right and this is just like anything else it doesn't have to be 3d printing and it doesn't have to be science it could be anything in life whenever you're learning something new you're either you either don't know what you don't know which is I think most of the case but there's also times where you know enough about something similar and then you have to unlearn those things. And that's where I'm at right now with this SLA 3D printing. I'm at this stage where I know almost too much and stupid things like bed leveling on my FFF 3D printer, the stuff that you'll see on our Instagram page, AG 3D printing, the, the majority of that is FFF 3D printing. Bed leveling on that is very, very different to bed leveling on an SLA 3D printer. Um, one, of the, one of the really interesting things I was thinking of recently as I'm trying to relearn this is with 
FDM 3D printing, you're you're utilizing gravity in a way that, you know, when you're building stuff from a bottom plate and then building up, your materials, as long as you have support underneath it for areas that, you know, the, the filament is being built not on top of something else, gravity will allow that material to sit on that support and then you can just build up. So you don't have to worry about gravity so much it's actually helping you, right? But with SLA 3D printing, it's the exact opposite. And you're building against, well, I guess with gravity. And that makes adhesion and making that first layer, which is everything in 3D printing, so much more important. Um, and it even changes how you support something. With the SLA 3D printing, you have all these, it's like s tiny scaffolding that's attaching the part and you're basically floating the part that you're trying to make on the scaffolding so that by the time the part actually starts getting made you have all these tiny connections on the bottom of that that bottom of that plate that's lifting up out of the resin so that it can support the heaviness of the part that you're building upside down which is just totally different than than how you would do it the way that I know it so uh it, luckily, I have a great friend Andrew that I can I can kind of reach out to whenever I'm working on it to say, "Hey, am, am I doing this right?" Uh, which I haven't been. So uh, it's been interesting, but the the challenge is is really the mess, the mess of SLA 3D printing and the the toxicity. You know, luckily I've bought some stuff from Matter Hackers, which is a company that sells 3D printing materials. Uh, they kind of give you uh, they give you a place to to buy all that stuff. It's all in one place. Instead of just being, you know, oh, we make this piece of this 3D printer, it's a shop to go to. So anyways, they have some stuff that doesn't have epoxy in it. So there's, it's a little less toxic, still toxic, but a little less toxic. Um, and cleaning out whenever you make a mistake. So the cost of making a mistake on SLA 3D printing is in your time and with safety. So um, I need, I don't have the proper ventilation to do all the stuff I'd like to do when I make a mistake to clean it up because I've got to wipe down all those areas that have resin on it every time I make a mistake. And then I basically have to throw that away as soon as I can because that stench from not only using the resin but also from using isopropyl alcohol to clean it, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's not nice. So um, I, I will eventually, I think, offer this as a service for AG3D but I've still got a lot to learn. So um, just, you know, if, if anyone thinks that I'm <laughs> I'm some kind of robot and I, I, I don't fail, uh, that is wrong. I, I fail all the time, and that's what makes me better. But um, And being open to the failure, and like SpaceX does, fail forward, that is the right direction to be in because the world does not play nicely. Uh, reality is not just theoretical. You also have to take what you think might happen and test it in the real world. And most of the time you learn stuff doesn't work the way that you wanted it to. <laughs> when the rubber hits the road, things don't work that great sometimes. So you got to adjust. You got to change things up. And that's where I'm at this week. So that's it, folks. That's it. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Today in Space. I appreciate it. This was a little rambly, but thank you for joining us anyways. If you have any ideas for the podcast, anything you'd like us to cover, please reach out. 
We're going to be doing uh, some more episodes of People of Science. I've got some people lined up in the next few months. If you have anyone else that you'd like us to reach out to, if you'd like to be on this podcast, reach out to us, todayinspacepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what your STEM origin story is. What is it that you've learned? How does thinking scientifically and putting that in your mindset every single day, how has that helped you travel the world better? How has that changed you? How has that made you a better person? It's all of those things that we're looking to capture out of that. And with me trying to do better by myself, to be healthier, to spend less time sitting down in front of a computer because, man, this 16 months of a pandemic has really, really thrown my body off. We're, we're trying we're trying to do better. So um, thinking about, you know, I'm trying to use that scientific mindset to change my behavior to do things better. Um, so yeah, we'll talk more about that in the future episode. I have gone on for too long this week. Thank you for joining us. Make sure to follow us on Today in Space Pod on Instagram and Today in Space on TikTok, and checking out our AG3D Printing Lab at ag3d-printing.com for our website for all the things that we're doing there to get a free quote on your next project with 3D printing, and of course our Etsy shop ag3d.ag3dprinting.etsy.com. Uh, to purchase a gift for yourself, something fun, something useful, and also fun, and help support the podcast. That's it. I'm Alex Girofanos, your space science podcast host from the East Coast. Thanks for joining us. Spread love, spread science. See you next week.